Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. Good morning, Ryan Huang. Good morning, Michelle. Happy Monday. How was the weekend? Yeah, the weekend was busy. We had a lot of catch-up on, of course. Budget just settling down. The dust, of course, still yet to be fully over. And we've got to navigate what's to come in the next few days. So we've got more budget coverage for you. Yes, throughout the week, right here on Money FM. And also, please do come down uh, for a very special budget panel discussion that's happening on the 21st. Yes, me and Michelle at UOB Plaza Atrium. That's 1 to 2 p.m. on Wednesdays. Come say hi. And of course, we will have our... Expert guests as part of our panel, Indrani Raja, Minister at the Prime Minister's Office and Second Minister for Finance and National Development will be there. Yes, and uh, I think at least two economists. And you know what they say, when you have two economists on a panel, you get at least three views. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of views. And of course, we want your view as well. If you've got any questions, send them to us. Sounds good. So look forward to seeing you in person Wednesday at the UOB Plaza area. Let's start this Monday morning right here in Singapore with a look at locally listed stocks. And I have a question for you listening in. Who is a bigger buyer of Singapore stocks this year? Do you think it's institutions or retail investors? Think about it for a moment. I just watched a great, great doc uh, on Netflix over the weekend called Dumb Money. And it was all about the GameStop saga. Remember that? Bunch of uh, retail investors pushed on by social media and Roaring Kitty took on hedge funds that were shorting GameStop. And initially, they were in the game and won a lot of money. Here in Singapore, we're looking at a stark contrast of that. But I'll tell you this. If you look at institutional investors and retail investors, one group is selling, one group is buying. Which is which? Ryan, fill us in. Yeah, dumb money is an interesting way to phrase it. If you're making money, are you dumb? Of course, hot money would imply you know what you're doing, which is where the smart money is, um, where you've got the hedge funds and, and the institutional buyers. So let's take a look at what's been playing out in the past month or so. And since the start of the year, guess what? We've got institutional buyers. Mm-hmm. Well, they have not been as, well, on the surface, optimistic as retail buyers. So they were net sellers versus the retail crowd, which are net buyers. So let's take a look. Net institutional fund flows for the first six weeks of 2024 had a sum of $463 million in terms of net withdrawals. That's slightly higher than what was in the same period last year. So the so-called smart money has been cashing out. Yeah, during the first week of the year, institutional investors were net sellers of Singapore stocks. But retail investors poured $1 billion into local equities. That's more than twice as much as institutions sold. If you look at the list of stocks that retail investors are buying, which companies stand out, Ryan? Yeah, I'm trying to make sense of the lineup. And what really jumps out at me is you've got folks, retail folks, jumping into Court Life Group. So... Net retail flow of $2.1 million. And this is so far seeing a total return negative 4.8% in that same space. So it's very curious to me as we've been following the news. Mm. The hot life has not been in the headlines for the right reasons, for a lot of wrong reasons actually. Yet, it does seem to be attracting a bit of a crowd. Maybe because the price is right for them, but still caught life in the top six. At the top six, you've got 
Abudante right at the top followed by Rex International Holding, AM Holdings, Dynamac Holdings, Nanofilm Technologies. So a bunch of names for you to look at to see who is buying what. Definitely Cord Life Group, a real head scratcher there. One of the top 20 counters booking highest net retail inflow as percentage of the stock market's cap. A total return, as you mentioned, down 4.8%, right on top of the heap. Uh, Abundante, tricky, tricky name, I have to say. Uh, that's the stock that's attracted the most retail interest during the first six months of the year. They're a concrete manufacturer. Um, I think a play on Abundant, so Abundante. Ah, yes, you might be right. Okay, another <laughs> one that I guess is less of a hit scratcher. Capital DC Wheat, all mm. things AI, data centers, pretty much the flavor of the year or the past few years. So that's been attracting quite a bit of interest, 493 million dollars in terms of net retail flow. In absolute terms, though, Citrium tops the list with more than $100 million worth of share retail purpose, uh, purchases. If we take a step back, what do you make of the fact that retail investors appear to be more bullish on Singapore equities than institutions? Yeah, I suppose it's a tough one to figure out why. Uh, you could say perhaps there's been some earnings that have been supporting it. Some mm. of the price levels may be right for retail, but for some of the funds, they may have targets or mandates to cash out at a certain level. So those reasons all could come into play. So different um, agendas just playing out. And then in the first few weeks, retail investors seem to be a bit more bullish, maybe also because of the recent highs we've been seeing on Wall Street. That has encouraged them to look elsewhere for value. Maybe Singapore is a place. All right. Capital Pacific Oak US REIT also on the list of top 20 counters booking uh, the highest net retail inflows as percentage of each stock market cap. Let's take a look at the Real Estate Investment Trust now. The IHS REIT index is down 7.5% since the beginning of the year. But retail investors still appear to be bullish on the sector. They're net buyers of S REITs during the first six weeks of the year. And they've put about $280 million into the sector. Question is, which REITs have attracted the most interest? Yeah, so we were going through that list just now, Michelle, of the 20 Singapore listed stocks that attracted the most net retail inflow. Well, REITs and financial services accounted for half of them. And let's take a look at some of the REITs that have been attracting some of the inflows. At the top of the list, we've got Maple Tree Logistics Trust, Capital DC REIT, Capital Land Ascenders REIT, Maple Tree Pan Asia Commercial Trust, Capital Land China Trust, the list goes on. Uh, but I'll zoom in on MLT or Maple Tree uh, Logistics Trust. Mm-hmm. So it's announced gross revenue recently that increased by 2.1% year on year to $184 million. Net property income rose 1.5% to nearly $160 million. So it's seeing more contribution from its Singapore properties as well as new overseas acquisitions. So that's been helping to offset some of the weakness in China as well as depreciation in various currencies. So all in, DPU was up 1.2%. So you've got some earnings for some REITs helping to paint a brighter picture ahead. So if you take that into account with potential rate cuts down the road, it does point to more, I suppose, upside in eventually. 
The REITs that retail investors are buying that interests me uh, is, boils down to this fact. They don't seem to be doing very well, at least not in terms of market valuations. If you take a look at the top five REITs that retail investors are buying, they're all in the red. And most have double-digit losses or more. Capital and China Trust is the worst performer of the lot. It is down 17% since the beginning of the year. If we take a step back, REITs have been in the news a lot lately, often for the wrong reasons. We've seen two U.S. office REITs suspend their distributions to unit holders. Other REITs are fighting over management or even firing their top executives. We'll have a story about that in just a moment. But Ryan, I want to start by asking, given all that's going on, are you surprised to see all that retail investors are net buyers of S REITs so far this year? So many of them. Yeah, for some reason, the drama seems to be coming from the REIT space in the past few years, right? You've got the activist hedge fund trying to change things up, getting an internal REIT manager. And then now you've got more drama in the form of Dasin Retail Trust. They have fired their CEO, Wang Tiu, the CEO of his trustee manager. So no reasons given. So you've got to connect the dots there to figure out what's going on. And this comes right after they fired their CIO, which was Lu Ziqi. And this was around yet more drama. Uh, she was demanding uh, outstanding payments totaling over $780,000 owed by the trustee manager, apparently. So you've got a case of he says, she says, and then you've got directors not agreeing with the termination of the CEO. So a lot of conflict within the company that investors have to figure out how to uh, digest. So that's not healthy, I imagine, for any company. It's a real soap opera saga taking place at Dasin Retail Trust, which has a portfolio of shopping centres in China's Greater Bay Area. That's Hong Kong, Macau and Guangdong Province. The trust certainly undergoing upheaval. As of last night, Dasin Retail Trust had not updated its website yet. So it fired its CEO, fired its chief investment officer. Wang Chu is still listed as the trust CEO and Lu Jiqi as its CIO even though both have been dismissed. Together with Dasin Retail CFO and Executive Secretary, so that's quite a shake-up, uh, they claim that the trust owes them nearly $800,000 in back pay. In addition to the turmoil over at Dasin Retail Trust C-Suite, the company is coming under pressure from its unit holders who've called for an EGM. But the trust says the EGM will not take place, at least not yet, fill us in. Yeah, who knows if the IT guys could be next because the website's not updated. So <laughs> you've got EGM. It was supposed to take place today, uh, but it's down to, yeah, well, disputes. So on one side, you've got the trustee manager saying, hey, this is not supposed to happen because the procedures were not followed. So that procedure came down to receiving a copy of a signed notice in order to proceed. And this had to be deposited plus signed at his office. So deposited at his office. So they did not receive it until February the 17th, which was a Saturday, which they deemed it a non-working day for the trustee manager. But they pointed out that the plans to have an EGM was already well underway before February the 14th. So they were saying, hey, you guys already had an intention and went ahead to assume it would go on, but didn't do the paperwork before February 14th. Mm. But you did send it in eventually, but technicalities, technicalities-wise, procedures-wise, uh, things were not followed. So they believe that reason not to go through with the 
um, EGM. A lot of buts there. The story reminds me of the Sabana Reed saga with its on-again, off-again EGMs and disagreements over whether management should work directly for the REIT or for an external partner. So I'm wondering if market conditions were better, would stories like this one be taking place? For example, if China's retail economy was stronger, then perhaps the REIT and its managers and unit holders wouldn't be at each other's throats. What do you think? Yeah, I suppose there'd be one less reason to be upset about and it will be a happy environment for companies, investors as well. If you're making money, most people wouldn't care how you're making money, right? When you're not making money, then you get fingers being pointed at, things being scrutinized. And then now, this is playing out not very well for us in retail trust. Interesting. This reminds me of K-dramas. I'm new to K-dramas. I just started to watch one and I highly recommend everybody watch Marry My Husband. What's Marry My Husband about? <laughs> That's a whole show, but uh, somebody goes back in time and okay. changes her life. Or I imagine there's a love story somewhere in the middle. Oh, no, actually, it's about a woman stepping into a power. She's been bullied all her life and she ah. decides enough is enough. She's going to show the bullies up. All right, a yeah. lot of drama. Great, great show. Let's switch gears now and turn to U.S. markets. The major U.S. indices finished in the red last week, but the losses were not that bad. Considering that U.S. stocks finished, uh, face a big sell-off, I should say, on Tuesday, um, and that following a hotter-than-expected inflation report. Tech stocks were the worst performers. And Nasdaq dropped 1.3% over the last five trading sessions. The S&P 500 fell nearly half a percent, while the Dow finished marginally lower. What is on your radar for the week ahead, Ryan? Yeah, lots to watch out for. And of course, earnings continue in the US. And in terms of, in terms of earnings, the big one, NVIDIA, that is all things AI these days. So we will get a glimpse into how much more optimism is being baked in at least with the management commentary. And then Walmart comes into play tomorrow with their earnings. And this is a bit of a defensive play. And they will be also giving a picture of the US spending patterns. What are people buying? Are they shifting to more value or not? And you also have airlines in the picture. Singapore Airlines reporting their numbers tomorrow. So this, of course, has been quite a good year or so for SIA off the back of higher ticket prices, people going back into travel. So that will give a bit of an update. And then banks in the form of HSBC and Standard Chartered will be giving their numbers Mm -hmm. and giving a bit of a picture into their exposure to China, especially the property sector there. So that's going to be one to watch out for for those folks. That's the earnings front. And of course, down the road, you've got the Singapore Air Show, and the Chingay Parade happening end of the week. Have you been to Chingay before? And not in at least 25 years. Okay, so <laughs> pretty much you get what's going to happen. You've got a parade of floats, oh. you know, people young and old enjoying themselves. Nice. So if you are looking for some entertainment after a hard week, um, no, this is where you can check out. Fantastic. Well, here at home, there are a number of major earnings announcements on the calendar. Chingay is definitely on my calendar. Singapore Airlines and Semcorp report tomorrow. Gunting Singapore will give us a look at the hospitality and gaming sector on Thursday, while Singtel and Singapore Land report earnings on Friday. Time now for corporate news, and we do it up or down style. First up, the Australian property developer Lendlease, which is the sponsor of Singapore-listed Lendlease Global Commercial REIT. How's it looking? Not looking good. Having a tough time. Monday blues. And we are looking at a loss of $136 million in the first half. So investors quite disappointed. The share price is crashing. Mm. And let's take a look at what's going on with the numbers. Revenue down 
3.8%. And during that half, we mentioned that loss of $136 million. This being attributed to a reduction in investment property valuations, redundancy costs, and an additional provision in relation to UK building remediation regulations. So all in, they say it's a one-off by investors not liking the news so far. Land lease in the red, it has lost more than 140 million Australian dollars during six months from July to December. But the company is increasing its dividend payments to shareholders by 33%. Love those numbers. Those high dividends might seem like an up, but investors are looking past that news. They're selling off Land lease shares. It is down more than 15% in early trade in Australia this morning. Next up. Sri Trung Agro Industry, that's a Thai rubber company which is listed right here in Singapore. Yeah, so in the business of rubber, which goes into many things such as gloves, well, looking at what we have in terms of numbers, not very good because it sunk into the red for the fourth quarter with a loss of 422 million baht. That's around 15.8 million Sing dollars. And this swings from a profit of nearly 987.8 million baht a year ago, which is around 30 million sing dollars. So a big swing. And they say this is due to a non-recurring item and an impairment loss of a subsidiary. So revenue decreased 14.3%. So all in, you've got the rubber business suffering from bad extreme weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, While glove business, as you imagine, facing an oversupply that's putting pressure on its profit margin. Interestingly, sales at the glove unit Citron Gloves actually rose on the fourth quarter, but prices were lower and the company lost money as well. So that's a down for both Citron Agro Industry and Citron Gloves. Singapore Institute of Advanced Medicine is also known as SAM. It's listed on the Singapore market on the Catalyst Board. Uh, it did so on Friday. How did SAM do on its first day of trade, up or down? Yeah, day one pop. No, it was... A bit underwhelming. So it opened at 19.5 cents, which was down around 15% from its listing price of 23 cents. So all in, it closed down 17.4%. So it kind of comes into play with the subscription rate. There was a placement of 4.4 million shares, nearly 1.4 times subscribed. Then they came up with another trench and all-in overall IPO was subscribed by 1.01 times. So you can kind of tell the level of enthusiasm, not as high as you typically see in other share offers. Mm -hmm. Maybe that could uh, be one reason why the performance on day one did not fare as well. SAM is a unit of Malaysia's Berjaya Group. It did not receive a warm welcome on the Singapore market on Friday, it appears. SAM's shares closed 17% below their IPO price. So that's a down for both the Singapore Institute of Advanced Medicine and the Singapore market, it looks like. Let's now turn to Costco Shipping, the logistics manager. Is it up or down? All right, I am looking at an up. So bright spots ahead for Costco Shipping as they expect to post net profit for FY 2023. And this to the tune of $1.9 million, a reversal from the net loss from a year earlier. So this comes in as it says it's going to recognize a non-cash impairment of goodwill of $99 million from its acquisition of Cogen Holdings in 2018. Wow. 
Yeah. So Costco shipping shares up 8% over the past month. It says it expects to post a profit of about $2 million for the past fiscal year. That's an up for Costco, which lost money in 2022. The company will post its official results on February 29th. Our last entry takes us to the box office. Bob Marley versus Madam Webb, which is up, which is down. Yeah, I am going to tell you that Bob Marley is an up. And I think you've got a lot of Bob Marley fans out there who will agree with me. So they had a bit of a, I guess, showdown and Bob Marley won. So Bob Marley stood up $27.7 million in takings over the opening weekend. Whereas Marvel's Madame Web was a bit of a flop. And I think kind of tells you why or what's been happening in the past few seasons. People are just a bit fatigued when it comes to superheroes. Mm. So, the film Bob Marley, One Love is number one at the box office. It stars Kingsley Ben-Adair. Gross nearly 28 million US dollars. I can't wait to watch this. It this puts it on par in terms of opening figures with other musical biopics like Elvis and Rocket Man. So certainly, yeah, up- I love that one. Did you like Elvis? I watched it on a plane and I watched it twice on a plane. Just Elvis or Just Rocket Elvis. Man? Yeah, Elvis is really good. I think it should have won an award. All right, um, that new Marvel movie, Madame Web, proving disappointing. It costs eighty million US dollars to make, but really. Gross just $15 million at its box office debut. And we've chatted about this, Ryan. Superhero films, definitely not as hot as they used to be. Somebody needs to figure out what the Koreans are doing with their storytelling and then import it into super- <laughs> superhero movies. A crossover movies. of sorts, perhaps? <laughs> Thank you very much. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. Stay with us. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.